Hey, this is Jeff Loveland. Thank you for tuning in to Anchor for My Soul podcast, where we want to give a message of hope in the middle of the storm by anchoring ourselves to the Word of God. In each episode, we will grow in our spiritual walk a little more as we use the SOAP Bible study method to dive deep into Scripture, observe what God was teaching, and apply the lessons in our lives, and then pray about it. I hope this encourages you today and helps you go forward with Christ. Hey, welcome back to Anchor for My Soul podcast. This is your host, Jeff Loveland. Today, we will be talking about faith. We will cover how we live by faith, those who showed amazing examples of faith, and even we're going to dive deep and discuss what is faith. You see, right now is a time where we really need to hold fast onto our faith. When it comes to our faith, well, we need to live it. We need to speak it and we need to show it. We need to back up what we say by how we live. Our faith and trust is something that God loves so very much. Those times, both good and bad, where we can just say, God, we trust in you in all things. Faith, hope, and love are so important. The greatest of these is love, but faith and hope are right there alongside love. These things are so important to us and they're so important to God and should be a part of our foundation along with our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Currently, the world is going through a pandemic called COVID-19. It's a virus that has just gone through every nation of this world. It's expanded the globe, has impacted cities and states and nations left and right. Many have caught this virus and also many have recovered, but there has been loss of life. In this time, there are some who are afraid and they're going to grocery stores and they're clearing the shelves because they don't know what to expect and they're they're fearful of the current situation and what the future might hold. They are afraid of what could be. There are some who are questioning how to move on. What will life look like? Will life be the same? They're just kind of in limbo, not sure what to think, not sure how to respond. And then you have those who hold on to their faith and that promise that Jesus Christ is right by our side. He's never left us and he won't leave us nor forsake us. You see, those people that hold on to their faith, they're going through these trials just like everyone else, but they have that hope which keeps them going. They hold on to that faith, even though there are trials, tribulations, and in some cases, persecution. Those people, they endure the suffering because they have hope and they know that there is something greater to come. And they know that this will not last forever. See, that something greater to come is our salvation. Thanks to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And because of that, the opportunity and blessing to live in the new heaven and the new earth and those and to be with those who have gone before us and to be with God our Father and Jesus Christ for eternity. That is something exciting to look forward to. That is something that gives me strength in this time when I have anything but. See, when you have hope and when you have faith, you can live and endure suffering in ways that you never even thought was possible. 
in ways that you may not even imagine. When you have hope, you can overcome adversity. You see, hope and faith, they're the two things that can help you keep going in the race that is called life. When you live in a way that God has called us to live, we no longer focus on ourselves, but those who are around us. Once COVID-19 hit and started impacting nations and then came to the United States, well, that impacted people's jobs. That impacted people's uh, daily life, their routines, everything in their life. Everything has changed. It could be temporary or it could be a, a constant change. We do, not, we do not know. But we can still have faith and hope and love in this time. You see, I took a step back for a couple of weeks because I wanted to focus on the things that were important to me personally. And that's my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's my time with God, our Father, in prayer and in the Word. Sometimes I could be better about that. I'll be transparent about that. Sometimes that's just pausing and just trying to see what's going on around me so I can respond well. Again, not always... I don't always respond the best, but I try. And I'm just being transparent because I'm like everyone else. But I also want to focus on my family and those that the Lord has put around me in this time. And I want to focus on my family, make sure that they're okay before I can help anyone else. So here I am two weeks later with this message about having faith in a time where we need it so much. You know, family, neighbors, strangers, anyone that crosses our path. When we take ourself, when we take our focus off of ourselves and onto others, we can do so much in the kingdom of God. You see, a simple conversation can turn into a salvation, and that's something that excites me. We may not be able to do that conversation in person right now because of distancing or different requirements, but but we have other methods. To reach people. One thing that nobody can deny in this time is what is that we all have been impacted by this to some degree. We're all in the same boat together. We're all facing trials. We're all facing changes, but we can help one another. We can strengthen one another. We can love one another. We can be there in a time of need, believer and non-believer, Gentile or Jew, All of us are facing trials. Our faith in our endurance is being tested daily, if not hourly. But it is our faith in our Lord that will help us get through this very time. These tough times where we are countering trials and tribulations and just the unknown. I do not know what the future holds, but I can tell you this. I'm in good hands knowing that I placed my life and everything about my life in the hands of my Savior, in the hands of God. When I can submit to Him and trust in Him, well, I know this. I know that the Lord, with everything going on, I can trust in Him. He keeps His promises. His word is true. I can live in faith. Jesus, I trust in you. So you see 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by faith, not by sight. We may not be able to see what's coming our way, but we know that we will be okay. We can endure this, this time. Whatever is going on in our life, 
whatever trials, whatever situation, this too will pass and we will be able to get through it. And the Lord will be by our side. You see, I'm saying this even after I took a leap of faith. After I left my career to go after several things that the Lord has placed in front of me. I'm saying this even after COVID-19 has spread across our nation. I'm saying this even after my income has been lost and is now gone. After I took that step in faith, a lot of things have changed. But even with all that, I'm still here to say that I have faith in the Lord. And even as I'm saying this, my faith and my understanding has been tested. But yet, I still have hope. And I still have faith. And I trust in the Lord. By faith, we are ready to take on each new day and whatever comes our way. Blessings and trials and everything in between. Please turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapters 10 through 12 as well as James chapter 2, starting with verse 14 through 26. We will be reading of the New International Version, the NIV. Hebrews chapter 10 Christ sacrificed once for all. Verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifice repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 11. Day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. 
First, he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. A call to persevere in faith. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, and at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourself had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one, will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved.
Hebrews 11. Faith in Action. Verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned 
on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. And after the army had marched around them for seven days, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and, mo and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and that sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God disciplines his children. Verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Warning and Encouragement Verse 14 Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So to it, or see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what had been done. The mountain of fear and the mountain of joy. Verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, 
the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For God is a consuming fire. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Faith and deeds. Verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good! Even the demons believe that, and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So that was our scripture reading for today. Now let's observe what it was saying. Let's apply it to our life and then we will pray. So what is faith? Well, that answer can be found in Hebrews verse 1, where it says, Now faith is confidence in the hope and what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Wait, what is faith? Faith is confidence in what we hope for? 
and assurance about what we do not see. There's something about being confident and being assured of something. Matter of fact, I did a sermon not too long ago about those two very things. When you're confident and assured about what is to come, it gives you strength. It helps you in that time when you need help, when you need to be strengthened, when you need direction. Why do we hope for things that we cannot see? And why do we do that? In other words, why do we have this faith? Here are several good reasons why. One, it is impossible to please God without faith. As it mentioned in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. And that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. God, um, our faith is pleasing to God. When we trust in Him, when we have our life reflect our faith, and we just submit to Him and do what He asks us to do, that is pleasing to God. When we believe that He exists and that, he, that we do what He asks, He rewards us for that. When we seek Him and are obedient to that. Two, through faith in Christ Jesus, we are children of God. In Galatians 3, verses 26 through 27, it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. How nice is it to realize that we are children of God through our faith in Christ Jesus. He loves us so much that he considers us children, his children. Three, salvation. Romans 10.10 says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Number four, miracles and healing. In Mark chapter 10, verses 51 through 52, it talks about a blind man, Bartimaeus, who was given sight. You see, there are miracles and healings that take place through our uh, through Jesus. And we must have faith in that. You see, this blind man was calling out to Jesus amongst a large crowd. And he was rebuked for that. And many others told him to just be quiet. And yet Jesus stopped and he asked for the people to call for him to bring him near. And then he asked Bartimaeus, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? From there, that, that gentleman said, I, I want to be able to see. And then Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Our faith is a powerful thing. Jesus is still doing miracles, but we must believe it. We must have faith in that. There are still miracles and healings being taken place to this very day. And number five, produce perseverance. In James 1 verse 3 it says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know, our faith and when we go through these trials and when our faith helps us in the midst of that trial, 
we only become stronger because of it. I mean, Jesus is with us in the middle of any storm of our life, in any trial or tribulation that we may face. But once we get beyond that, we are stronger because of it. And we can go on to the next thing that might cause trials in our life. I know in this very season right now that I look back to those times that I've previously had trials. And I thought about the ways that God helped me get through it. It wasn't easy. It may not have been instant, but we did get through it together. Me and my Lord and God, our Father Almighty. You see, those are just a taste of why faith is so important. Now, who are some of those examples? In, mentioned in Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter. Who are the, some, some of those amazing examples of faith? Well, verse 7 starts talking about Noah. And it says, when he was warned about things not yet seen. In holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. You see, some of the faith points in this part about Noah is he was warned about things not yet seen. So he had to trust that what was told to him by God is to come true. And by his faith, he had to do what God told him. And that was to build this huge ark for him, his family, and lots and lots of animals. The faith points are this. He was warned and he built something based off of something that was to come and yet not seen. He had to keep the faith. What a great example of faith. For more information on my views and my study on Noah, please go to episode number 19 titled Faith in the Flood. From there, you'll see my study on Noah and his bold faith during that time and the time leading up to it and right after it. Next, let's talk about Abraham. Abraham was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance. He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. How many of us, maybe in this moment or or a previous time, do we not know where the Lord is leading us? Where we might feel stuck or just question, God, what, what are you doing? Where are we going with this? Why do we do this? Well, we may not know in that moment, but God does. Verse 9 says, By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, chapter 11, verse 10, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So here's the faith points of this sample. Abraham, he didn't know where he was going or was being led. But he was also looking forward to things to come. He couldn't, he couldn't take the concept of the current moment. He had to look forward to something. Something that is to come, but not in that moment. He didn't know where he was going and he didn't know what was coming. But he just had to trust in God. And he was going off of God's promise. 
Our next example is Moses. Verse 23 says, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born and saved him from the king's edict. Verse 24, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead of that, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he is looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. And by faith, he kept Passover in the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. So right here, Moses chose to be mistreated along with those that are considered the people of God. Instead of living a life of pleasure and sin. And he looked forward, looked ahead to the reward of greater things to come. Because living a life called by God or, or, or going where the Lord leads us is greater in the end than what we have now. And then it said he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He believed in God. He trusted in God. And he knew he was going to be okay. These right here are amazing examples of faith. Matter of fact, the whole chapter is filled with great examples of faith that can only help us when we are being tested in our faith. And when we do not know what to do or how to go on. So that is primarily a review of chapter 11. But let's go back to chapter 10 really quick. Let's observe what was mentioned in that chapter, and let's really uh, dive deep into that. First, you have Christ's sacrifice for all, which is verses 1 through 18. Verse 11 says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Right here, we see that over and over, priests were doing their service daily. The repeated offerings and sacrifices, which it said never took away sins. This became more of a, a ritual to worship God, and yet sin still remained. Those priests were doing their job, but Jesus is above all of them. Jesus is that high priest. Matter of fact, Hebrews does a great job of talking about how Jesus Christ is superior to all things including those priests. They weren't able to take away the sins. They had to keep doing sacrifices where Jesus would do it once and for all. Where we are going next, verse 12 through 14. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. In verse 14, this is key. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Verse 17 through 18. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more, Jesus. And where those who have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. 
Right there, I'm just thinking the words of Jesus on the cross when he says, it is finished. I'm just going to do a quick little rabbit trail right here. John 3, 16 through 17. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, uh, but that the world through him might be saved. John 19, verses 28 through 30, it's about it is finished. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of our sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. From there, let's jump over to John 17, 4, where Jesus says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. It's amazing that Jesus came here and and went to the cross for each and every one of us so that we would be forgiven, our sins would be forgiven, and that for those of us who believe in him and accept him as Lord and Savior of our lives, he died for our sins so that we may have everlasting life with him in heaven. That gives me faith. That helps me in this very time where when I may not know what's to come, when I may not know how to get through something, it gives me that assurance in my faith. Which now let's jump to verse 19 of Hebrews 10. It's talking about confidence, drawing near with a true heart, and having that full assurance of faith. It's amazing what can happen when you are confident in something. When you are assured that something is going to turn out well. Or when you just know that things are going to turn out in a certain way. You just, have, you just know. You just know. You can't see it. It's still to come, but you just know it's going to be okay. You may not know how it's going to happen, but you just have that confidence and trust. In other words, you have faith. Think of a sports team. They're arriving to their opponent's field. It's an away game. In those moments, you're already um, it's already a tougher situation because you're on the road. But a, a team, before a game, they must be prepared. They must have confidence in them, in their skills and everything that the Lord has blessed them with. You see, if, if you're not confident, you pretty much lost the game already. And if we're not confident and have faith in God, then are we really able to compete and run the race that he has asked us to run? If we don't have faith, then are we really able to withstand the trials that will face us in our daily life? Because they will come our way. The answer is no. If we don't have faith, well, then we're not going to do very well. But when we have faith, we are confident, we are prepared, we are strengthened, and we are ready to take on each day in a way that glorifies the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold 
unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some of you are in habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Right here, this this verse 23 through 25 is about not giving up meeting together. Being there for one another, encouraging each other, helping us grow in our faith and go forward. You see, in the current situation that we face, we're faced with right now with COVID-19 is most states have a curfew or a lockdown or very limited access to do things. Uh, currently, we can only meet in groups of 10 people or less. And we're supposed to practice social distancing of six feet or more. But let's reassess our situation. Let's review what we can do in this time. We may not be able to travel like we were able to. We may not be able to gather like we weren't uh, a few weeks ago. But do we have a phone? Check. Almost everyone does. Do we have email? Check. Most adults do. Do we have online meeting platforms to check in on one another? Talk to grow in our faith and to pray for one another? Check, check, and check. You see, the church may not be in buildings now. because, And we may not have to consider the church as a building anymore. Because the church is the body of Christ. That's you and I. It's not a building with four walls or more. It's you and I. And we are able to move and connect and go wherever the Lord leads us. That may include technology right in front of us that that we are using at this very second. Either way, the body of Christ must continue the mission to share the gospel and to love our neighbors. And to not stop meeting together. And start encouraging one another. Check on your friends, check on your family, check on your neighbors, check on those that you are around. Because sometimes the strongest people, well, sometimes they get affected by this too. Sometimes they get knocked down too. Check on them, encourage them, and bless them. Provide for them if they need help. Let's help one another. Because we all face struggles. So now let's discuss uh, struggles. Starting in verse 32 through 30, uh, 39. It says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, stood by side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that You yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Remember, we've already talked about God rewarding those who trust in him and have faith in him and who seek him and who are going out to make a difference, even if it's tough to do so. 
And at the very end of chapter 10, it talks about to not shrink back. And it says, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasures in the one who shrinks back. Verse 39, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I think that's important to take note of. We do not shrink back. We do not fall away from our faith, no matter what happens. We keep our faith, we hold firm, and we keep going forward. Do not give up. Have faith and keep going forward. So now let's just just a little sample here. Let's observe chapter 11, which is pretty much covered in the beginning of this observation section. But let's talk about 30, verse 39 really quick. Hebrews 11, verse 39. It says, These were all commended for their faith. All those people mentioned. Yet none of them received what has been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us would they be made perfect. You see, there are times where God will call us to do something or lead us in a certain path, and we put so much into it. It's not so much our works, but we just we do what He asks, and we're obedient. And we're passionate about it because God's passionate about it. But we may not see the end result. We may not see the fruit of our labor. We may only see the trials and the struggles and the whatever we're building that the Lord asks us to build. We may not see the end result. But I can guarantee you this. There is a blessing in the journey of our faith. And there's a blessing for being obedient. Also, things that we are called to are not for us. They're for His glory, not ours. And you know what? That alone, I will say yes to that. I do not need to be famous. I don't, I don't need to be famous, but Jesus does. Jesus needs to be known by more people now than ever before. Jesus' name needs to go into all nations. And the good news needs to travel. So all this that we do, it's not for us, but it's for Him, for His glory. And then let's finish up with chapter 12. Chapter 12 talks about, first off, verse 1 through 3 talks about throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So right away, the things that stand out to me in this section is to not let those things that hinder us and the sin that so easily tries to stop us and prevent us from going forward. Don't let them stop us. Don't entertain those thoughts that come to our mind that will lead us down the wrong path. Don't do those things that we know that is not righteous. Instead, let us go forward in our faith. Let's go forward in our righteousness. Let's go forward the way the Lord calls us. And let us run that race. And in that race, there's going to be some trials. But we need to run that race with perseverance. We need to endure whatever comes our way. And as we do so, 
We need, we need to not focus on the situation around us, but keep our focus on Jesus, who will be with us in the middle of that trial. Those things that try to prevent us from completing our journey, our walk with Christ, or our mission, don't let them hinder us. Instead, we need to get up. We need to run with perseverance. We need to endure We need to gather our breath and our strength and our faith, and we need to keep going, keep running that race. Our focus should never be on the circumstance, but on Jesus. That is where our strength comes from. Also in chapter 12, it talks about how God disciplines his children. And when we know that we are children of God, that alone sets us up for victory. We know the power of God. We know that He is there for us. He know that He gives us everything we need to get the job done. Verse 7 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then are you not legitimate? Not true sons and daughters at all. What a blessing it is to know one That when you're a believer, when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when he's the Lord and Savior of your life, one, it's nice to know that there is salvation. That he went to the cross for our sins and we are forgiven and we are saved. It's another thing also to know that we are children of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. And we have royalty blood. We have We are considered heirs of the throne with Jesus. That's amazing. That helps me when I face trials. That helps me realize when I have adversity and things that are preventing me from going forward in whatever God calls us to do. That you know what? We will get through it. Now this COVID-19, I don't see that as God treating us one way or the other. and No, I see God taking that and making it for his good. I see whatever the devil threw at us, God says, all right, I will work with that. I will bring people together. I will have people pray together. I will have people grow in their faith together. Watch what I can do. I believe God is taking this very moment and whatever the devil placed out in front of us, I believe God is making it for his good because he loves his children and he loves those who he's um, who he wants to have a relationship with, who currently do not have a relationship with him. He's disciplining us in other ways. Uh, Maybe if you don't get a job opportunity or or. Maybe there's a loss of income or things, or maybe he's just disciplining us for a little while so that we trust in him, we turn to him, we seek him in all that we do, and we learn discipline, we become more righteous, become the way he wants us to be, so we can do what he wants us to do. It's amazing to be a son and daughter of God. When I know that it's for our good and he's making us stronger and preparing us for things to come, well, I can endure that hardship. 
Next is verse 14. It's about warning and encouragement. It says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root, no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, when there's trials and situations that we face, sometimes it's easy to fall back into sinful patterns, sinful ways. When we are discouraged down or out, it's easy to fall into those things. We will be tempted. The devil will try to get us to fall into those ways that so easily can entangle us. But like we said before, we need to not let those things hinder us, not not be trapped by those things, but instead run the race and persevere. And then finally, James 2. I didn't know whether I should or should not share James 2 with this, but I wanted to compare and contrast Hebrews 11 and James 2. Because Hebrews 11 talks about faith, 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 and more faith. And we know that faith, hope, and love are all important things. But then James 2 talks about works. And so let's read James 2 for just a second. And it said uh, in verse 17, In the same way, faith by itself, if if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And then it gave the example of someone someone saying, You show me your faith, I'll show you my deeds. And we know it's not our works that get us to heaven. And we know that... um, We know that we're supposed to work heartily as if we're serving the Lord also. So how does this all work out with our faith? And I look at it as this. When I read that chapter, I look at it as that works is that fruit that is produced from our faith. That faith and that works go hand in hand together. That faith is what God asks of us. But through our faith, we do these amazing, great deeds that he asks of us. We're not earning our way to heaven, but because we love God so much, because we are obedient to what he says and do what he asks us, well, we will produce good works. We will have a lifestyle that has good deeds. And there's one verse that I think perfectly describes that. It's verse 22. It says, you see that his faith and his actions were working together. Like I said, hand in hand. And his faith was made complete by what he did. It goes hand in hand. Our faith is important. Our hope in our Lord and Savior, our love for one another, and especially him, is important. And through all that, we have these amazing deeds. Because we love him so much and want to serve him so much. Because we want to love others that he asks us to love. So with that, how can we apply all this to our life? So we read a lot. We discussed a lot. All that. How can we apply this to our life? And I like to make this as simple as possible. And so I believe Hebrews 12 verse 28 is our way right there. It says, therefore, 
Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I believe when we face trials, when we need to just show faith, when we don't know what to do, when all we have is faith and all we have is to just trust in the Lord, all we can do is to worship Him and seek Him and to be thankful for everything that He's done in our lives, big and small, seen and unseen. We need to be thankful and we need to worship Him. So how do we apply our faith to our life? We seek the Lord and we are thankful and we praise Him in all that we do. We like I said earlier, we, with our faith, we speak it, and then we need to do it. We need our life to reflect our faith, and we need to just trust in the Lord in all that we do. So with that, let's end in prayer. Father, we just we come to you today, and we're, we're just thankful for all that you do in our lives. You are so good, God. You are with us day in and day out. You're with us in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the trial. Wherever we are at, you're with us. You're with us on the the best days of our life, and you're with us in the worst days of our life. You're always with us. And I can take refuge in you all the time. Jesus, you are a rock. You are a shelter. When we don't know what to do, may we only run to you. Let us seek your word. Let us get on our knees daily and pray to you. I pray right now in this time of unknown and uncertainty, when we do not necessarily know what our next step looks like, when we don't know how to go forward, when we just are trying to get through to the next day, may we seek you in all that we do. May we never give up hope but be encouraged by our faith. Knowing that there's something greater to come. We may not be able to see it, but we just know it. We have that assurance, that confidence that you are with us. You'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. You're with us yesterday. You're with us now. And you'll be with us tomorrow too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the people you put in front of us, our community, our family, our friends, those strangers that might have an encouraging word for us or helps us when we are in need. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good. Let us never lose sight of that. Let us keep our focus on you. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Anchor for My Soul podcast. If you would like to help us reach further and hear daily content in the near future, we ask that you share this podcast with your friends and also consider becoming a financial partner to help us reach further for Jesus and to share the word. We are blessed to have listeners who pray for us and go make a difference in the kingdom. Please check out our website, www.anchorformysoulpodcast.com dot com where we have our past episodes 
information about the podcast, and even who I am. If you so feel led to become a financial partner, you can either go to our website or you can go to anchor.fm backslash anchor for my soul podcast. Together we make a difference. God bless.